the info track. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. A recent survey found that 62% of parents didn't know what a 529 plan is. How about you? These accounts to put away money for college often include some attractive tax breaks, but they take some real homework to understand. To help you bone up, here's InfoTrack's Roy Mackey. Roy? Thanks, Chris. We're talking with Cornell University economist Vicki Bogan. She recently conducted a study of those 529 college savings plans offered by many states and came up with some results that may surprise you. First, for those who may not be familiar with them, just give us a quick explanation of what a 529 savings plan is. A 529 plan is a tax-advantaged investment vehicle that is designed to allow parents to save for the college education expenses of their children. Some of the tax benefits come from the states and some of them come from the federal government. 529s eliminate taxes on asset returns in a similar way to a Roth IRA. Most states have a plan available. There are a few states that do not or have shut down their plans. Some states that have no income tax, there's not really a great tax advantage in those particular states, right? That's true. But even states like Florida, for example, they don't have state income tax, but they still do have 529 plan offerings. Let's go ahead and move on to your study. You discovered a number of important things about 529s. Many of them were related to hidden costs, weren't they? Yes. I think the key takeaway from the study is that households need to make sure that they educate themselves about 529 plans and their fee structure prior to investing. So on the surface, it may sound like a great idea, wow, I get a tax break, but it's important to understand all the hidden costs. At the end of the day, it may be a great idea to invest in a 529 plan. I have a 529 plan for each of my two sons. But the cautionary lesson is that you need to educate yourself about the structure of the plans and their fees. And today, actually, it's easier than ever because there are a lot of sites online like savingforcollege.com that have done some of the hard work, the heavy lifting for you in terms of comparisons of fees across plans. One of the things your study examined was the cost of the fees in relation to the size of the program, right? Exactly. One of the main points of the study, and it looked at direct sold 529 plans. So there are a couple ways that you can obtain a 529 plan. You can go to a broker and get a broker sold 529 plan. Those usually have even higher fees. Or you can just go online, Google your state's 529 plan, and it's generally very simple to enroll directly via the internet. But for these direct sold 529 plans, what I find is that the higher the potential tax income benefit that the households have, the higher the fees are for these 529s. So there's a positive relationship between how high the fees are and what benefits you might be able to get through investing in one of these plans. Part of the cautionary tale from this study is that there's a moral hazard issue going on here. The investment companies know that the 529 plans are worth more, so they charge households more to invest in these plans. Alongside that is that some states can or do receive a share of the asset-based fees. They call them kickbacks. And so the states may not have the proper incentives to try to get the investment management companies to curb the fees or negotiate these fees down. And in terms of the fees, who decides that? I guess it would be a combination of the state and the investment company, right? 
It's a combination. It's exactly right. And so most of these 529 plans, the underlying assets are different mutual funds from these different investment management companies, and they have asset-based fees associated with them. And then when they're put into a 529 plan, I guess, and I'm not privy to the negotiation process, but there's some kind of process where the state and the investment management firm jointly determines what the fees are going to be, what share, what are the administrative fees, how much does the state get, etc. We're talking with Professor Vicki Bogan from Cornell University and discussing her study about 529 college savings plans. Professor Bogan, what happens to the attractiveness of these programs if someone opens an account and then moves out of that state? Well, it depends. Some states only allow a state tax benefit if you invest in the plan in your state of residence. That's not the case for all the plans. Some states allow the tax benefit even if you invest in a plan outside of your state. So again, it's important to understand the rules and the plans and the fee structure prior to selecting one of these 529 plans for an investment. You mentioned a moment ago that you have these plans for your two sons. There is a school of thought from some people that says that saving for college is not necessarily a smart financial move. Have you heard this? I've heard that there's a hierarchy in terms of where you should invest and save your money. And so it's more important to contribute money and save for your retirement than it is for the college education of your children. And that's because it's easier for students to get student loans to finance their college education. Once you retire, it's going to be very difficult for you to have access to that same type of cash and borrowing. And so financial planners will often suggest that you put money into your retirement first and then save for your education of your children after. At the end of the day, it's a personal choice. Is it important for you to see your kids go to college? And education obviously is a big part of my life (laughs) since I'm a college professor. So that's something that my husband and I put a priority on in our lives. And so we decided that we wanted to do that. Actually, thinking about saving for the college education of our children is what prompted me to do this research. You know, I have two children. One day I went to one of those college savings calculator websites and it prompts you to put in the age of your children, whether or not they are going to attend public or private school. And for my 11-year-old, it said I would need $406,000. Oh, man. Um, and then for my 6-year-old, it said I would need $466,000. And so I was a little distraught. I called up my husband. And I said, dear, we're going to need almost a million dollars to send our children to college. Perhaps we should start saving a bit more aggressively. <laughs> I say that. Partly in jest, but college costs are a big issue for most households. And so I started looking into these college savings plans based on my own personal needs. And then I started looking at the heterogeneity and fees. And I said to myself, why are the fees so different? Why are they so different from the underlying mutual funds that they're using for these plans? And so that was really a big emphasis of me pursuing this line of research. So just to kind of wrap things up, what advice can you offer to someone who's thinking about opening a 529 college savings plan in terms of doing the research and really knowing what they're doing? 
I think the big thing is to think about investing in these plans with fees, like putting water in a bucket with a small little hole in it. You know that some of your money is going to leak out in terms of the fees, but you need to make sure that the returns or the water going in is at a faster or greater rate than it's leaking out. So you need to be aware of what the general return history for these plans are, what the fee structure is, and also understand what the tax ramifications are. Are you investing in a plan where you only get the tax break if you live in that particular state? And so it's really understanding what the returns are from these 529 plans, what the fees are from these 529 plans, and are you going to get the state tax break or not? Do you think the complexity of these plans scares some people off? Absolutely. It's not an easy, simplistic system. My hope is that one of the outcomes of doing research like this is that we have better, more clear disclosure of fees and more clear understanding of kind of the tax structure to help households make better financial decisions. Professor Vicki Bogan from Cornell University, the author of this study, thank you very much for joining us on InfoTrack. Thank you so much for having me. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.